0: welcome to the bucky cast folks this is john along with will and rob we're ready uh wisconsin's coming off what may have been you know the best wisconsin university of wisconsin sports weekend ever that i can remember just a whole ton of positive uh positive stuff happening last weekend uh first of all rob how you doing
1: i'm doing well a little under the weather that uh this temperature change thing is really affecting my uh, voice here. So I apologize for that. We're
0: all under the weather except for Will. Will looks hale and hearty. How are you doing? Yeah, will? I feel
2: good. I feel good. This week's good. Wisconsin's good. We're all good.
0: <laughs> Everything's good. Good. All right. Without any further ado, uh, let's launch into the beer round table. I will not be participating. I'm a bad Badger fan. Um, but I did... I did last night have one of my favorite uh, beers from Great Lakes Brewing, which is in Cleveland, Ohio. They're Dortmunder Gold. Oh, it's a delicious beer. Good stuff. I, I can't remember if Dortmunder's a style. I never, I never did research that. I just know every time I see it, I'm like, that's a beer I like. I grabbed some. But anyway, Will, what do you have this week?
2: Uh, so this... This weekend for the for the Badger game, kind of had a somewhat of a last second tailgate. Um, so I swung by Star Liquor, kind of a local liquor store, got a up north Wisconsin lager because I felt the uh, the game day experience on Saturday was probably the last summer style day that was going to happen this calendar year. So I got a summer style beer. It's from cool. One Barrel Brewing Company. This is I'm a, this say. is a good one. This is, I mean, it's called up North Wisconsin lager and yeah, this should be drank on a lake up North in the summer or on a game day, wherever you want.
0: It's just a nice solid lager. Mm-hmm. There you go. All right. And props to one barrel. They, uh, they're the makers of commuter Kolsch, uh, which is one of the standard fairs here in Madison. So, uh, yeah, they actually they actually have a location in Door County. I think we've discussed that before. Now that I say that, I'm like, deja vu. I think I've said this. But anyway, uh, Rob, what are you drinking? Keeping
1: with my uh, tradition of picking weird cans, I'm going with an Oktoberfest style lager from Eagle Park Brewing Company. Ooh,
0: Eagle Park. MC Hammerschlagen.
2: <laughs> Love it.
0: I think I've actually heard of MC Hammerschlagen. Uh, does it say what style it is? Is it just a log? Oh, it's an Oktoberfest. It's Oktoberfest yeah. style, yep. yeah. Okay, so it's a fest beer. It's tasty. Um, oh, look at that. He's even got it in the stein. This is the perfect time of year for that stein. You should take a picture of that stein and put it on our Instagram account because I will. That, uh, that stein should be legendary. <laughs> um, purchased especially for this show. At least I like to say it, it, it was. Um. <laughs> Oh, cool. Eagle Park Brewery is in uh, Milwaukee, and I, I don't think I've ever been there. I think it's one of the few breweries in southern Wisconsin I've not visited. Will, you ever? Nope. Heard no, about Will it. I haven't been shed. there. <sighs> well, it's, maybe, maybe that'll be a group trip. We'll have to check out Eagle Park Brewery and, and frighten all the local residents. Uh, anyway, so let's start off. With our uh, rundown of non-football and basketball news, uh, and we always like to start off with our UW women's volleyball team, 15 and three now, uh, nine and one in the Big Ten, still tied for second place behind uh, undefeated, well, in the Big Ten anyway, uh, Nebraska, who are now number one in the country, by the way. Uh, we beat Michigan State on thir- was it Friday night? It was Friday night. Yeah. Uh, swept Michigan state 25, 22, 25, 16 and 25, 15. Not a whole lot going on there. Michigan state's actually one of the worst women's volleyball teams in the big 10. So, uh, that's where we got Sarah Franklin from. So sorry, Michigan state. Um, but not sorry. And then on Sunday afternoon, they played in Ann Arbor and beat the other Michigan team, University of Michigan, uh, three sets to one. It was eerily almost exactly similar to how they beat them here in uh, Wisconsin. They dropped the first set and then went on to score 25-18, 25-22, and 25-19 uh it was it was actually funny in the first set they were up i was watching it and they were up by seven points and uh just let it get away from them i think they only scored three points the rest of the match after that but will rob did you uh did you guys see anything in the uh volleyball matches i
1: will, did and i'll tell you what um <clears throat> Franklin was a heck of a pickup. She is just a beast. Uh, even from the back row, she plays, uh, you know, she's a six rotation person and she is a monster from the back row monster from the front row. Her placement's amazing. Uh, but man, in that Michigan game, she was even, even her performance was overshadowed by Devin Robinson. Uh, I, she could not miss, I think in the third or fourth set, she was hitting at like an 800 pace or something like that. It It was crazy.
0: She had 17 kills against Michigan. Um, Jade Demps was the sort of the catalyst in the fourth set against Michigan. Uh, It looked like Wisconsin might be falling behind. And then she came in and sort of propelled them on a little mini three to four point run. And once that happened and Wisconsin, got ahead. uh, They, they cruised from there, but yeah. Jade Demps also had a very good, uh, very good match. So this is the big week now for women's volleyball tomorrow night. They have number one Nebraska here at the uh, Fieldhouse. And then, I believe, on Sunday. Saturday, Sunday, Saturday. Sunday, it's Sunday. Saturday. Is it Saturday? Yeah. Darn it. I yeah. can't say Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, they play at home in the rubber match of the border battle. They Remember, they got swept earlier this year by Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota's number nine. Wisconsin number five, Nebraska number one. So a pair of top ten matchups in the Big Ten that will really go a long way, I think, towards deciding who's going to ultimately be Big Ten champion. Uh, Wisconsin still has to play at Nebraska, and they also have to play Ohio State yet. So who's the team they're tied for second with currently? So we're going to see how they sort out now against some uh, high-level competition. Hopefully they've cleaned up everything from uh, earlier in the season when they were dropping matches to teams ranked 16th just don't play any 16 ranked teams exactly and everything will be fine oh switching gears now men's soccer we're going to talk about the men's soccer team first uh because they did something that i didn't expect them to do first of all they beat northwestern uh one to nothing that's not the unexpected thing that's not the thing i didn't expect them to do however they qualified for the big 10 tournament which means they have a very 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 small percentage chance of actually qualifying for the NCAA tournament and based on how they were playing in the middle of the year I didn't think that was even a possibility they are still they still have a losing record right now they're still five six and three Uh, but they do have a two four and one record in the big 10 and that seems weird because they only have one match left and I'm like really you only play eight matches all year, but I guess, uh, so two wins is enough to get you in folks. I didn't, I didn't know that it will be, uh, on the 30th. So this upcoming that's Sunday, Sunday. that's okay. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. There we go. I got it out. Uh, they're going to play Ohio state here at McClyman. So it's senior night last match of the year for the men's soccer team until the big 10 tourney. I doubt they will be hosting a game. So if you want to get out and see them, Sunday night is your night or Sunday afternoon. I didn't check the game time. Uh, moving on. Women's soccer uh, wrapped up their season this last week. Uh, shortly after we, well, a couple days after we wrapped up our interview with goalie Aaron McKinney, uh, wisconsin had first of all tied illinois uh it was a shutout uh for both teams so they pulled off a tie uh against illinois but then they went out and beat the ever-loving god out of nebraska four to one i'm sorry in soccer four to one score means you beat them bad
2: yeah my Uh, i have a question is a four one victory in soccer can we call it a boat race
0: I know one you have to get like to five or six goals. Five, six, okay. Five or six to one. And then you say, yeah, they, yeah, no, it's a legitimate question. We're actually going to be talking about something akin to boat racing a little bit, uh, a little bit on here, but um anyway, two goals from Arissa Mart. Uh, the other two goals, Ashley Martinez and oh goodness, I'm spacing on who the other person was who scored. Rob, help me out here. You're my stats guy. oh no i didn't have anyway there were four goals scored and i apologize to the goal scorer who we didn't get to but yeah they won in a big way uh that wrapped up the number three seed in the big tournament coming up and i think they have a really strong chance of getting into the ncaa tournament at this point natalie vigiano natalie vigiano how could i forget about natalie all right well anyway um Upcoming on Sunday is their first game in the tournament, and it is against Penn State, but it's at home. Hopefully, they improve on their uh, scoring uh, from the last game they played against Penn State when they lost, uh, I believe, two to nothing, and also lost uh, Emma Jaskaniak for the rest of the uh, season. So, we actually didn't pick that up until very recently. So, um, anyway. <sighs> Big big season uh, coming here for women's soccer. One of their better performances, I think, in the last couple of years. Uh, I, I don't heard an interview.
1: Has, yeah, oh. I heard a quick interview from the coach, and she was saying that she's not sure that they're they've done enough yet to make the NCAA. So they'd like to get a win or two in the Big Ten tournament to kind of seal that that NCAA tournament bid. I, I think they have done enough, but you're not going to tell the coach she's wrong, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, they finished 11, four, and three on the regular season, six, three, and one in the Big Ten. So that's actually pretty darn good in soccer. They only got 10 chances to uh, do anything, they actually have more than the men. Cool. <laughs> but anyway, so that's that's good news all around for the women's soccer team. Moving on, women's hockey. Uh, you know number 5 women's hockey team went out and just bludgeoned Bemidji State this this last weekend I was there for the Friday night game uh they actually uh actually dominated that completely until the last 4 minutes when Bemidji State just sort of skated around and then uh powered through a goal finally I was a little bit disappointed but um uh, it was it was just it was a massacre uh, Wisconsin was clearly more skilled um they, they were just toying with them at certain points. It's like, come on, just, just finish them off. Let's be done. But yeah. So their next series is going to be October 28th and 29th. They're at Minnesota Duluth. I don't, I don't know enough about Minnesota Duluth. I think they're good. Women's hockey. Once it gets beyond like Ohio state, Minnesota and Wisconsin it gets kind of hazy for me. Uh, I'm pretty sure Minnesota Duluth's one of the other powerhouses. I mean, they're in Minnesota for God's sake, they got to be somewhat good. Will Rob, any thoughts?
2: I'm a little surprised they're still only number five in the nation. Like, I understand there's kind of a top heavy group of talented teams in yeah. hockey.
0: Women's uh, hockey is one of the most unbalanced sports there is out there and this is like it's been 20 plus years I think now that it's been in existence at the NCAA level and it's still just very heavily concentrated in some schools in the northeastern US and the upper midwest. Mm-hmm. So I believe it. And Ohio State because why not? They have to dominate everything, I guess. So, um, yeah, it's the They still, the the women still compete in the WCHA. There's not enough women's hockey teams in the big 10 to uh, have a big 10, but they are still a pretty strong contender this year. I was a little worried when they dropped their initial, um, game to Penn state, but they've since then just been rolling on and on. So we'll see what comes of this next weekend and determining how real of a chance they have at winning the WCHA and then going on to the playoffs. Men's hockey. We finally have some positive men's hockey news. I don't just have to sit here and grumble. Uh, they went to Minnesota Duluth and they swept them, which was completely unexpected. Uh, they Minnesota Duluth, number 10 in the country, uh, one of the teams that we love to chant gopher rejects at, but they're usually really good, especially in the WCHA now. And Wisconsin beat them 5-2 to two and 3 nothing. So that's pretty impressive, uh, considering we've been complaining so much about Wisconsin's uh, general play period. Uh, yeah, it was, it was good to see. Uh, there wasn't any, anyone who particularly stood out in my mind. Um, it was just a good solid effort all around from the team. Rob, Will, any thoughts?
2: Um yeah, I wasn't able to watch the games obviously, but I just remember getting a notification that they won the first game five too. I'm like, oh hey, nice. Mm-hmm. Next day, you know, get the notification, they shut them out three. 0 and I was just like, What's going on? Like <laughs> I mean, not upset, very happy about it. Um it was all that homecoming energy. Oh yeah. It was
0: it was channeled to them there in Minnesota Duluth. They couldn't be home on homecoming, but they were with us in spirit to to win like everybody else. Yeah. All right. Uh, just some other quick sports news. Uh, speaking of boat racing, our lightweight rowing team <laughs> managed to finish third at the Head of the Charles event out east in the Charles River in, uh, in Massachusetts, finishing third uh, behind uh, two schools that couldn't be more geographically apart, uh, British Columbia and Princeton. Now, we've all heard of Princeton. I've not, never heard of the University of British Columbia. I'm sure one exists, but I didn't know that they were competing in the U.S.
1: They actually, <clears throat> they actually came in only a few seconds behind um, uh, second place. Uh, the second place team, which was Princeton, uh, and it, they got uh, interfered with. They actually had to come to a stop mm-hmm. uh, because a boat went into their lane. So I honestly think they could have actually won that event.
2: So I not bet a it was... And a red flag in lightweight rowing. <laughs> there are
1: no red flags in, in lightweight what rowing. What is this? <laughs>
0: I bet it was a Minnesota boat. I'm willing to bet that it was that it, it was, was a the, row the lightweight rowing team that tried to sabotage us. And finally, uh, some quick cross country news. I know that uh, we don't talk about cross country very much, mainly because it's kind of a niche sport, sort of like lightweight rowing. But our men's and women's uh, cross-country teams have always been really good. And this year, uh, Rob found out there, or he didn't find it out, but I found out from Rob that they actually have rankings for men's and women's cross-country. Men's team currently ranked ninth and the women's 17th. Uh, I think that's a little low because they just won the Illinois Open. Uh, They, and they, I mean, they really, put it to the other cross country teams. They, I saw a lot of results that were um, like one through five and four of them were Badgers. So uh, it was pretty dominant. Now they've moved on to the big 10, the big 10 championship race, which is this next weekend. Um, So we wish our men's and women's cross country teams, good luck in that. I also want to quickly mention swimming and diving. I believe our swim team, uh for at least for the women beat arizona state this last weekend uh the men lost they did not they did not do as well but uh wisconsin's women's team was pretty dominant so good news for for badger fans all around and and men's swimming team we have our eye on you you spoiled the perfect homecoming with your (laughs) with your not winning ways um
1: just want to throw out there, too, for that men's cross-country team, Bob Liking was the Big Ten Athlete of the Week. Uh, so he has a chance to win the overall individual. So let's let's cheer him on this weekend.
0: Yeah, that would actually Bob. pretty big. <laughs> Way to go, Bob. Uh, all right, let's move on now to the revenue sports, men's basketball and football. Uh, men's basketball, we didn't have really any news to report until this afternoon.
2: Like four hours ago.
0: Yeah. So, hooray for hooray for this. Uh, Will, why don't you go ahead and take this one?
2: Yeah. So, men's basketball got a commit today. Uh, Jack Robeson, a small forward, out of Lakeville North, which I I think is going to be soon renamed to uh, Madison uh, West. Oh, there's already a high school called Madison West. Yeah. See, that um, doesn't work. Yes, that we're just gonna AOA. we're
0: gonna have to call it Outer Wisconsin, Outer, outer Wisconsin, Wisconsin Western School. Wisconsin. No, no, Western that's, Wisconsin? that's too, no Outer Outer because they're beyond the borders. Okay.
2: I mean, they're like, Anyway, they're large, so yeah. just call it Lake Madison, Lake Matt. That's <laughs> perfect, Lake Madison. So yeah, he this. I mean, we we tweeted this earlier. If 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 you're someone that kind of follows recruiting, says, "Oh, we got this guy cool. This guy's gonna come in," and I guarantee. If you're a Badger fan, you're like this is the way this guy plays. He, I think I've seen some people compare him to Tyler Wall, which I think is a little lazy because they're both kind of scrawny six, 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 seven recruits by the time they committed. I know Wall's like six, eight or six nine now. But Jack Robeson is a more um offensively polished recruit by the time he's gonna actually set foot on campus. Good shooter, not a shooter in the sense of He's going to create a lot for himself. But if, if we got guys that can penetrate and kick out to him, he's a guy that can you know, catch and shoot with, with the best of them. And obviously, I think what Wisconsin coaches love about this guy is he's kind of a, a, an empty canvas, so to speak, in that there's so much you can do with this guy. He's a good defender. He's, a, like I said, a good shooter. He can do a little bit with his back to the basket. He's a very good defender. So this is kind of a classic Wisconsin recruit and with, even with all that being said i think the best thing about this might be because he's in the class of 2024 which we have a ton of talent in both in the state of minnesota and in the state of wisconsin a couple of other people that we've been in contact with to get one so early i think is big because it puts a little bit of pressure on everybody else that hey like if you don't commit you might lose your spot you know now i think there's a couple guys like i would imagine daniel frytag and conca nipple I would, I guess, our two, I guarantee, will always have a spot in this class, but everybody else is like, you know, if you want to come, you better make a decision a little sooner than later.
0: Daniel Freitag, a 6'2 a uh, point guard from the same AAU team as Robeson, uh, Howard Pulley, which has been really kind to the Badgers over the years. Uh, Howard Pulley, that is. Uh, and then his uh, his he's really good friends with another Badger target, uh, Jackson McAndrew, who is six uh, eight forward, who might get up into the John Lure, like six ten range.
2: Was uh, McAndrew was here this weekend, wasn't he?
0: Yes, he was. He was visiting with yeah. Robison. Took his official visit this last weekend, as did um, McAndrew, and. Yeah. Uh, it's a little bit tougher to tell with McAndrew. He's uh, a guy that has an offer from Creighton, where his, um, I believe, uh, his dad he, played uh, there, or uncle? Someone played there under Greg McDermott. And yeah, um, so played with Greg McDermott, anyway. Or with Greg McDermott. Anyway, um, but there's close family ties there with uh, Creighton's head coach. So. It's, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out, but he does not have a Minnesota offer yet, and I don't know that he's going to get one because I think Minnesota's kind of given up on that. Um, we, someday we're going to have an episode about uh, about Minnesota recruiting, um, because it deserves its own uh it deserves its own podcast episode because Wisconsin has you know it, it this has become like a, a thing where Wisconsin you know wins a recruiting battle in Minnesota neither the you know, the Golden Gophers didn't offer them or they offer them. And then, you know, everyone on the internet says, oh, they cooled on that guy. They cooled on him. They didn't want him anymore. Of course. Wisconsin can have him. And they've cooled on a lot of guys who have been major talents for the Badgers <laughs> over the years. <laughs> guys that they probably should have gotten like Jordan Taylor or Nate Reavers or Brad Davison or Tyler Wall. or I, I could go on. There's more. John Lure. Uh, But anyway... Uh, Yeah, so McAndrew and Freitag are also Minnesota residents, obviously. So if Wisconsin was able to pull in Robeson and the other two, that would, you know, Ben Johnson was hired as Minnesota's head coach based on the idea that he was going to close up the border. He has been Mm -hmm. unable to do that so far. Uh, Wisconsin obviously won the battle for Nolan Winter for the 23 class. He also lost Tayson Chapman, who was the number one recruit in Minnesota to Michigan State. And the twenty-four class right now is not looking great for him either. So, um, but they have gone out. They've gotten, uh, I think, Cam Christian, the p- top one hundred player, and they just got a top fifty center out from California yeah. to commit. It's not like Ben Johnson can't recruit. He, I, I'm actually a little worried about him as opposed to like the, their previous coaches. So he's actually seems a little bit competent, but um, they have a long ways to go yet, and it 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 gets Minnesota fans very frustrated when you mention how many Minnesota high school basketball players wind up at the university of Wisconsin. Stephen Crowell is a Minnesota resident as well. Ben Carlson who transferred out of Wisconsin, also a Minnesota resident. So yeah, Jared Bergeron. Oh boy. Long list. Mike Bruzewitz. Yep. Anyway. All right. Now we can move on to football. Our, our football news. Uh, this last Saturday, Wisconsin uh, scored what was almost a kill shot uh, in the first quarter on Purdue. They really beat him up uh, in the first few minutes of that game. Very frustrating because uh, we who were stuck at home watching on TV did not get to see the first two touchdowns because there was a game that went uh, long. Rob and I were very frustrated by that. Will laughed at us because he gets to watch the games all from the stadium. So shake my fist at rob <laughs> or not uh not rob but will sorry rob i didn't need to shake my fist at you accidentally but wisconsin put up 14 quick points i think in the first five minutes of the game and then we're up 21 nothing at the end of the first quarter they were up 21 three at half on uh, the third quarter they got up 28 to three and then also 35 to 10 and then from there they just sort of you know, muddled their way through and Purdue racked up a whole lot of yards and two touchdowns, but the game was essentially over early in the fourth quarter. So Wisconsin did get run in a lot of reserves. Uh, That's probably why Purdue was able to outscore or outgain uh, Wisconsin uh, 431 to 381. Wisconsin's offense after the first, first quarter really kind of sputtered a lot and relied pretty heavily on turnovers in this game to to get points on the board. But they, they weren't, they weren't terrible. I mean, it was, it was way better than what it was looking like at the Washington state game. This is exactly how I envisioned the Washington state game would look. And it turned out that we didn't have enough offense. Now we do. So guys, uh, Rob, I'm going to ask you this first. What was a positive takeaway from this game? Like what did you really enjoy from this game?
1: Uh, I, I enjoyed the performance of the passing game. I thought that um, Mertz was was confident. He was uh, evading pressure, uh, even on the run. He was accurate. Uh, he had a good connection with his receivers. He was seeing what was there. You know, I, I think um, you know uh, he, that first first touchdown. I think to Bell. <clears throat> He was actually looking at maybe going short with that one, and saw Bell break open, so he he was able to take that shot. So I just think that his ability to see the game is much better than what it has been in the past, and he's just looking. They looked really good on on the passing game.
0: Will, what about you? Positive takeaway?
2: You know, it's it's hard for me to say this for sure because obviously I wasn't in the defensive meeting room, but I'm assuming the Wisconsin coaching staff on the defense side, especially went into that game saying Aiden O'Connell will not beat us. We will let Purdue kind of nickel and dime us if they want, but you're not going to just be slugging the ball all over the field. And John, as you mentioned, they put up a lot of yards. Their running back actually had a, a decent day. I'm I'm willing to bet the Wisconsin defensive coaches are essentially like, Hey, we don't think you're good enough or patient enough to do this all game and be successful with it. And it, worked out you know we've had three interceptions um i feel like our our pass rush especially considering that nick herbig wasn't playing did a better job than i expected and the the secondary especially i mean i know torch Yoke had the two picks including house one i thought alex smith did a great job covering charlie jones i know he had he had over 100 yards but that, that he was not a difference maker in that game at all
0: no, he had he did have probably the best catch I've seen so far this season. Did Very Charlie fair. Jones in in yeah. the second half where he you know he landed on the ground with Smith and then they kicked <laughs> the ball up in the air for what felt like four minutes before Jones finally came down with it. Um, yeah, it, it, this seems to happen every year with Purdue. Like they get a little bit better every year under Jeff Brom, but it doesn't translate to wins. They finally have a running game. They hadn't had a running game in years. Uh, and the, a, a true freshman walk-on is their star runner now. And he's actually pretty good. Devin Mockabee, I believe is his name. And it, it was very weird because he ran for over hundred yards. O'Connell threw for over 300 yards and none of it mattered. It's like, yeah, you know, you've got a hundred yard rusher, a hundred yard receiver, a 300 yard passer and no win. And it, I feel like this happens to Purdue all the time. Uh, they, they, they beat teams and get really solid wins and they go up against certain, certain schools and they just can't do anything. And one of those happens to be Wisconsin. I thought for sure we were dead ducks last year. And I went to that game with a lot of trepidation and Wisconsin just destroyed them in the second half. And in this one, Wisconsin destroyed them essentially in the first half and the first Few minutes of the third quarter, and everything after that was just kind of you know, you didn't even really need to watch it if you were a badger fan. Not a lot of huge things happened. Uh, Isaac garendo did have a cool 52 yard touchdown run every now and then, he flashes that like I have super speed, uh, moment. So that was that was pretty cool. My positive was John Torchio, he was defensive player of the week in the Big Ten. Uh, like you said, Will, to um two interceptions, one of which he housed. That was the, the second touchdown after Graham Mertz led them down the field for the opening drive score. And this is the first time in a couple of games where Wisconsin's taken it all the way down the field and scored on the first drive and then won because uh, they didn't do that against Michigan State or Illinois, and they scored on their first drive in both of those games. So what was a negative that you guys took out of this game? Will, I'm going to start with
2: you. I'm still a little concerned about the run blocking on this team. I will say it's a lot better than it was in the first handful of games. I, I, I'd be lying if I but said it hasn't gotten better. Yeah. It's still not where I think we would like it to be now, obviously first year back with Bob Bostad as your, as your position coach, you know, Chris gets fired. There's a kind of a new general strategy with the run game. Now that Ingram's calling It's so like, I get like, they've, they've gone through a lot and there's been plenty of injuries. Logan Brown tra- gets kicked off the team and transfers. So like, there's been plenty of reasons to point to like, Hey, there's all this other stuff going on. And like, yeah, it's fine. I, I, I still, my, my, my concern is that there are still just some plays where just like, what do you like how there's not even movement on the line like I would like to think like even if we're now where we're supposed to be, there could be some movement um I'm hoping over the bye week you get a little get a little healthy, maybe settle down into a into a full- time rotation or a full- time lineup um that that was that was the only thing i that really stuck out to me
1: Rob, how about you? I'm going to get a twofer here. Uh, the first one is, is still the performance in the second half. Um, when you Rob look is heated at,
0: about this, folks.
1: <laughs> when you look at the second half, okay, I'm going to go through it here. They had a 14-yard series. Now, it's okay. It was off an interception on the Purdue 14-yard line, so it ended in a touchdown. <laughs> so that's that's okay.
0: You're disproving but your own thesis here.
1: Then we have a six-play 14 yards. Then a four-play, seventy-five yarder, thanks to Isaac Correndo's. What was it? A fifty-six yard touchdown, ending
0: run. in another disappointing touchdown for Rob. Then we
1: have five plays for thirty-seven yards, three plays for six yards, and then you know end the end the game, I guess, on three yards. But um, we, other than two two series in that second half, we did we we didn't really move the ball much. So Bob, you only named like five or six drives. That's my second point. You know why that is? <laughs> is because our defensive backs, I'll give Will, they they only gave up one touchdown pass, but they gave up 320 passing yards. So that's my second point is I'm still concerned about our ability to defend the pass. Um, our safeties are spot on, but our, our cornerbacks are still hit or miss, I think. They give a lot of cushion, and I don't know if it's just the style that we teach so we give so much cushion that we're giving up a lot of yards, maybe against a Purdue or, you know, a Northwestern or even a Michigan State. That's not a big deal. But we see what happens when you give an eight yard cushion to Ohio State or um, a team like that. So I-, I just think the style that we play at the defensive back position is concerning to me and uh, that we're giving up too much yards in the air. Uh, yeah. So we only had, you know, five drives in the second half because they held the ball for so long uh, and only one of those really went for more than 40 yards. So more than 35 yards. So that's, that was a little concerning to me as well in the, uh, in the second half. Yeah.
2: I was just say, I would argue that like, if you like, okay, I'm so excited. I'm like stuttering (laughs) early in the third quarter, we were up 28, three, right? Correct. So I think here we're at a position where it's like, all right, we're up four possessions if we can have make the other team only have five or six whole possessions the rest of the game because they have to take their time and we're going to keep the clock moving do you think that might have been our strategy to finish the game that Jim Leonard's just like hey I will let you have a 10 play drive where you you know get a cup you know get have to get whatever four or five first downs over the course of the whole series but you're going to eat up five minutes off the clock do you think might have been their thought strategy there?
1: I think any strategy where out of the one, two, three, four, five, six possessions you have in the second half, where three of those possessions are less than than five plays, is not a good strategy to have. It's it, I understand when, what you're saying. You go to a prevent defense almost uh, to 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 draw down the time and to. But, but that's kind of what we criticize Chris for doing, although he did maybe the whole game. But what, what I'm saying is that um, y- why shift? Why shift that offensive philosophy when you can perform? If that's what you want to do, then put in your subs and let them play to their utmost ability.
0: Well, don't, on, folks, keep I gotta your,
1: get... don't keep your stars in and then don't perform as well.
0: I got to go get a bowl of popcorn because this is turning into a great debate. I'm going to sit back here and that munching noise is going to be me.
2: I just think there's there's a skill in being able to just run clock. You know like if we are if we're up four possessions, like I would rather see our offense go out there and and do run run pass, like keep the clock moving. Just like if if we were up seven and we were doing that, I'm 100% 100% with you. If we're up 25, like just no. Keep the clock moving. So
0: Okay. Oh, man, this you, is. Hold, a hold question, on here. Man. Hold on here a second, Rob. <laughs> this is the, the the playing of a prevent defense in the second half when you have a big lead has been a debate since probably uh, I was a young child, maybe even before that. I don't think we're going to solve it here tonight on this podcast. <laughs> so yeah,
1: I, I mean, I, I guess, I guess it goes. I, I feel that it's a subset of our. The, how we run our offensive side of the ball. You know, I I I guess what you're saying is it was because of this game we're going to go to a prevent defense but I guess how long do you wait in the fourth quarter, you know, when it's 24-35, if they go 31-35, then do you say, "Now we're back on, boys, let's start playing."
0: <laughs> but it never got it never got to that point. So, I'm I'm it, it didn't bother me. It's I, a lot of people um uh, last year were super bothered in the Arizona state game when they had the nine plus minute drive where they didn't score a touchdown at the end of the, that ran the game out. And I said that, that to me is a thing of beauty. Uh, you know, it, you just took basically 10 minutes off the clock. Didn't even need to score to beat them and never gave them the ball back. And they just couldn't stop them. And again, it's demoralizing. You're down 28 to three here. You're biting off these huge chunks of yards. And you're 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 putting up points, but it's just not enough. Even if even if Wisconsin had stayed at twenty eight points, they still would have won a two score game, essentially with the, how the final score turned out. So I'm that that wasn't a huge bother to me. Uh, my only cause for concern in this game. Are you calling it uh, a two
1: score game because it would have been oh, more than a field goal. Right. <laughs> It was twenty eight. Right. <laughs> they have it was they had twenty four points. If we were at twenty eight, that's not a two score win.
0: <laughs> hey, I'm just uh, all right. Well, we'll we'll I, I'll I'm give just, you. will agree I'll or give disagree this. on this one. If
1: if your defense <laughs> can hold them, then a prevent offense makes sense to me. But when they score twenty one points, uh, I, I, is that are you, are you saying how high how high do I have to get? that's exactly what i'm saying rob
0: how high how high do they have to get i'm going to do that (laughs) anyway um my only my cause for concern uh continues to be um the fact that we i don't think we really have a field goal kicker um wisconsin didn't didn't give it much of a try uh in the last a few games so i I still am not convinced that we have someone who can kick a field goal that's over 35 yards uh i know it didn't become an issue in the game uh much like rob's prevent defense but uh it's still it's something that that not this one we'll see what happens soon (laughs) well i know we're gonna play iowa and if ever there was gonna be a game of field goals man
2: (laughs) oh my god
0: game is gonna be it well, we we had that interview
1: with Aaron McKinney. Apparently Smashley is available if we need a kicker.
0: <laughs> and Ashley Martinez is evidently nicknamed Smashley because she's got the strongest leg on the soccer team. And so. Coolest
2: uh, nickname I've ever heard. Yeah,
0: it's pretty cool. Um, so maybe maybe they can try her out. But um, right now, I, I I think it's Nate Van Zelst is the kicker. And I think his last field goal that he tried that was over 40 yards was a, was a grotesque failure. So um, hopefully, hopefully that doesn't come back to bite us in the butt. Cause we're going to probably play some close games coming up here in the next four games. Uh, I think it's really important for Wisconsin to at least win three of those four um, and definitely to beat Minnesota. Um, that, that became, that's become painfully obvious over the last three weeks is like, you know, this is, The measuring stick is going to be how you do against your rivals when they're having a down year and both Iowa and Minnesota are not the teams they were last year. Uh, Nebraska is actually a little bit better, but Nebraska was really bad and they were really bad to start out the year. So a little bit better than really bad is bad. Um, really the, the one that I'm really worried about is Maryland because they have an actual competent defense this year and a lot of wide receivers to throw the ball to, but we'll find out what happens. Uh, let's go back here and take a look multiple offers were sent out this weekend we're going to get back into recruiting folks we haven't talked about recruiting in ages feels like years in this in the terms of this podcast but it's really only probably been like three episodes um wisconsin gave out uh five scholarship offers this weekend a couple were two in-state players, uh class of 2024 tight end slash defensive end Rob Booker out of uh, my alma mater, uh, Wanakee, Wisconsin. And then uh 2025 linebacker, Cooper Catalano, who's out of Germantown. And both of these guys are very good. Uh, Booker's six foot six, 210 pound tight end. Obviously he's going to need to fill out, but yeah. Um, Yeah, he's real, real tall, real lean, but good receiver. Uh, Most of the highlights Rob saw were Rob. Correct me if I'm wrong. They were on defense.
1: That's correct. Yeah.
0: Okay. So we didn't. I I think I've seen a couple of highlight reels of him with catching the football. Uh, But I, you know, once you've watched eight million uh, huddle (laughs) huddle highlights, everything kind of runs together. So I could be thinking of some totally different player. I could be thinking of Evan Herman for all I know. (laughs) <laughs> but um, anyway, so th- that was an important offer because uh, Booker, I kind of compare him to um, who was the tight end last year out of Wanakee because I believe he also was he went uh, to Iowa
2: State, right? Yeah, he oh. went to
0: Iowa State and Andrew Keller. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. that's right. Um, but yeah, he. you know, Wisconsin needs tight ends right now. They desperately need tight. Oh, ends. my Lord. They're down to two healthy tight ends. They're having to play an offensive lineman as their third tight end, which kind of harkens back to the good old days, but that's not the point. Uh they're those two tight ends that they have who are healthy are both seniors this year. And uh so they're they're really desperately in need of players at that position. And they didn't they got one guy last year, uh JTC Greaves. They haven't gotten any this year. So they're really hurting for tight end prospects. So I think this is one Rob Booker, uh, you know, this is a Madison area kid. He, they should be able to lock him up. I would hope for the class of 2024, uh, Cooper Catalano, just a, a dude who flies around the field. Uh, did we have anyone who watched huddle highlights for Cooper? Unfortunately, no, he's actually from my, my part of
1: town. I've t- I've spoken to a lot of people who've seen him play. He's got, that's that's his thing. He's got a motor, and the kid just doesn't stop. So, um, pretty impressive for someone from Germantown to get a a uh, offer so early, uh, class of twenty five guy. But um, he was
2: already
0: offered by what?
2: Illinois. Illinois, Illinois. yeah. Yep. So,
0: Brett Beal was making uh, making money off of his uh, well, figuratively, uh, off of his win over Wisconsin. He's been sending out uh, a lot more scholarships than Lovey Smith ever did two players in the state of Wisconsin. So mm-hmm. Cooper Catalano was kind of somebody who got offered a scholarship by Illinois, I want to say a couple months ago mm-hmm. and everyone was like, what, who, and Wisconsin scrambled and, uh, got on, got on the, uh, the ball there and actually got him a scholarship offer. So now hopefully they can win that battle. Uh, the other, uh, the other folks who got scholarship offers, uh, David Dossett, who's a wide receiver out of Lee summit, Missouri which I believe is a suburb of Kansas city. Uh, I know it's in one of the, it's a suburb of one of the two major urban areas in Missouri. Uh, he's a big, tall, wide receiver, six foot three, bulky guy, uh, has tremendous, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Wingspan, uh, just very long arms and catches a lot of errant throws that a lot of smaller receivers would not catch. So he's, he's very athletic, good jumper can win a lot of 50, 50 balls. Um, but he's not particularly fast. He's not incredible. He's, he's not going to blow you away with his speed. A lot of the passes I saw him catch were of the 10, 20 yard variety, which sounds like a lot, but he didn't really bust a whole lot of big, long ones. I think I saw one touchdown pass to him that was over 20 yards. So he's a guy that is a, a, a mid-three-star prospect in the class of 24. Um, just a, a guy that you think the Badgers could probably have a chance with, if he doesn't get an offer from, say, Missouri itself. So we'll see what comes of that. I know he's got a lot of schools from the the uh, Middle America part of the country looking at him. Uh, Cruz Law, who has the coolest name for football ever, uh, out of Nashville, Tennessee um private school there cruise law I, I, I love that uh, he's he's an inside linebacker uh, prospect another three-star player uh, did do do we have anyone who watched him I know I, looked I did. for his,
1: I looked for his film but I it's either private on huddle or I, I couldn't find uh, anything on
0: the on the huddle no good good enough that he he visited this weekend and got a scholarship offer so uh, I to I just me, want him for the name alone.
2: Yeah, to me, this this seems to have the writing of the wall of a kid who is maybe overlooked due to his ranking, and maybe Tennessee, with their rush of success lately, just starts taking the highest recruits they can get and doesn't do yeah. homework in their own backyard. And then maybe comes to Wisconsin and, and in a handful of years we have this, you know, all conference linebacker, like, Oh, how do you ever leave Tennessee? And then Tennessee's like, oh, we never we never talked to the guy we don't know
0: we we had too many other mcdonald's bad bags to hand out uh, yeah, we oh were, i'm yeah, sorry that we was were. the previous coach i'm sorry josh Heidl. i'm sorry
2: uh well, finally, that was just NIL packages oh, yeah
0: uh finally of all the players that got offered this weekend the uh, biggest star was linebacker weston port another great football name weston port out of san juan hills california uh the, the San Juan Capistrano's uh, general school district is just a monster for producing football talent out in California. And Port is an outside linebacker, uh, really good player, class of 2025. Uh, he's, I think he's already 6'3", 210. Rob, I know you did watch uh, Huddle for him. What did you see?
1: Yeah, he looks he looks good. He's a big guy. Um, man, he can hit like a freight train, um, on, on defense, uh, saw a little bit of his tight end footage and, um, yeah, just like, uh, just like David Dossett, he can use his, he can just, his ability to high point, his ability just to snatch balls that aren't maybe on point really good. He look really good.
0: One of those players where you, you like, you turn on the huddle film and after like one minute, you're like, I don't need to watch anymore. Exactly. <laughs> I'm done. You know, there's, there's five or six minutes left, but I don't I don't need to see the rest of it. Put the good stuff in the front if you're a really good recruit, because <laughs> after a while, it's, oh, another amazing play, another amazing play. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so that was, there were a ton of visitors on campus that, for this last weekend. Uh, many more than I would have expected for middle of the season, you know, college nerd or, or uh, I'm sorry, high school football playoffs are either just starting up or are about to begin. And for kids to come out and come to Wisconsin from all over the country, was really impressive. There were a couple kids who came from Hawaii or at least from, I'm sorry, not from Hawaii, from California, besides Weston port. And it, I was like, wow, to, to get on a plane, in California and fly out to Wisconsin for a two thirty game on your own dime. So yeah, it was, it was pretty impressive. I was very happy with Mickey Turner and the rest of the recruiting staff about this particular weekend.
1: I was slightly surprised too, just because of everything going on with the uncertainty of the coaching staff and just the, the fact that we were able to get so many kids and high quality kids out to, to take a look. I thought was pretty impressive. Um, not sure how it plays into their mindset, but but just the fact that you're right, just the fact that they came out here on their own dime was 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 pretty amazing.
0: So uh, I wanted to kind of wrap up here uh, for our, our Badger discussion on our initial thoughts on the Jim Leonard era. Uh, Jim Leonard is obviously not the same kind of coaches as Paul Christ, he brings a little bit, he brings something different to the table. Now, both were Wisconsin natives, both played for Wisconsin on the football team, uh, and both were started off their coaching career. I believe Paul Christ started off his coaching career, uh, at Wisconsin as did, um, as did Jim Leonard. So that's where the similarities end though, because Paul Christ obviously was focused on offense. Jim Leonard, obviously on defense. Uh, Will, in terms of attitude, what have you seen from Jim Leonard uh, that you like or don't like? You can say something you don't
2: like. I don't think I've, I haven't seen anything I dislike yet. Okay. One thing I've really enjoyed and it started, I think right off the bat when he, was named the interim and he kind of had to deal with the fact that this coach that the players clearly loved and had a lot of respect for was all of a sudden out of the building. Uh, I forgot the exact quote, but it was on the lines of like, Hey, we got to compartmentalize kind of how we take this week. Like when you go through this stuff, like don't ignore it, talk to people, talk to us, but that's got to, when you come to practice, we're at practice. And I think that, you know, he's the word compartmentalize, you know, that exact idea with it this like almost hyper focus on attention to detail it uh it's a definitely a different like you said energy than chris not that chris wasn't had this like massive attention to detail I'm not, i don't want to paint this light that chris was kind of very nonchalant with that um but it's kind of a different intensity with leonard and then you know i've i've never been one to think that you need to see a coach like be all animated and you rah-rah on the sideline, but um, there's been a couple of times whether a, it's...
0: Jim Leonard's a fiery character.
2: Yeah, whether it's Leonard getting in, like letting the ref know he doesn't like a call, or uh, there was... A, I think it was against Michigan State. I think he was just lightened into a Moomajang Mehta for what well, I'm guessing he missed an assignment or, or, or missed a call. I don't, I don't know. I just don't know what it was. Um, and I don't think I ever saw Chris do that. Paul you know. Christ
0: was not a uh, he. He could he could get um, fiery on Paul Christ's terms, mm-hmm. but Paul Christ, I, I'm not going to say he was stoic, but he was pretty non-emotional on the sidelines. He did, there wasn't a lot of times when he went blue his top like a volcano. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not saying Jim Leonard did that, but Jim Leonard got heated in the Purdue game when Purdue was given a, a touchdown on a play where the running back was clearly stopped, yeah. put short of the goal line. Um, yes. I, I didn't get to see the Michigan state game, so I didn't get to see the, the incident you're talking about, but there's just a different feel. And I, you know, Paul, Christ would not have taken his players out to, I, I forget where, uh, Jim Leonard took them the Thursday after Paul Christ was, was fired, but he took them out for like a, just a personal, like, okay, we're taking the football team. We're going to a, a, a restaurant or, or whatever. I don't know if it was Dave and Buster's or where they went. But he he took them there to get their minds off of you know everything that was hanging over them. Uh, when he Paul Crist would not have gone uh, down to the locker room and and jumped around with the guys to a great song, yeah, that would that would not have happened with Paul Crist. So, uh, Rob, do you detect a little more of a youthful energy and a little bit more of a risk taking attitude from Jim Leonard?
1: Yeah, I love it. I love the fact that he's he's more. I think in tune with the players at a personal level, I think that, you know, I, no, i don't, don't get me wrong. I, I love the fact that Chris had the families over to his house for recruiting visits and things like that. And that really, that really, yeah, he was
0: coach dad. Yeah. And it was, meant
1: a lot to the, to the families to do that. But I think Leonard is going to be real with you. I think he's going to understand what's needed for each of the, each of the, his players of where he can push and where he can't push the other thing the to go along with what you were saying will and, and john is that uh he was fired up at that purdue touched quote unquote touchdown <clears throat> but he's not afraid to say something about it after the game either you know that paul chris would have been like oh you know, it, it is, you know, those, those kind of things happen. We'll work those things out, blah, blah, blah. Press but,
0: conferences, press conferences with Jim Leonard are radically different. Exactly. Than they and are when they were with
1: Paul Chris. And that's what I like to see, I like to see a, a Sheffield type of thing where he's going to come out and say what he thinks. And, and I like that. The other thing that I noticed is he seems to interact more with the coaches on the sideline. He'll go and talk to coaches about something that's happening, what he's seeing, asking questions, whereas Chris kind of just let things develop on their own and let the coaches kind of do whatever they were doing. Whereas Leonard is checking in with those coaches, I think, uh, and keeping his pulse a little bit more on what's going on in the coaches' minds uh, as well as the players. So I I really enjoy seeing that on the sideline and then in the the, the conferences afterwards as well.
0: Yeah, it it's a thing where I don't want to get too down on Paul Chris for how how he right, dealt right. with things because I think
1: he was great. Exactly, yeah,
0: yeah. I, I, you know, there was a time when we were, when Wisconsin fans were actually a little bit proud of our curmudgeonly coach who wasn't good in press conferences or social speaking situations at all. And um, but he was he obviously the the players loved him, their families loved him. They they entrusted their their sons to him, uh, and. You know, I've, we're not ripping on Paul Christ, but I, I remember doing an interview of uh, Todd and Stacey Rucci and we're talking to them about uh, when they went and visited for um, Nolan's recruitment, Nolan Rucci's recruitment. And they were talking about how uh, they went and they were talking to Paul Christ and they had to wait outside of his office and all of a sudden his door opens and what they thought was a student popped out and started talking to them. And no, it was Coach Leonard. So, um, and Jim, Jim Leonard, you know, he's, he's shorter than I am. Uh, he's only five, eight. He's very, when you see him in person, cause I've met him in person a couple of times, you would not be able to remotely guess that this guy was a three-time all American at safety and played for a decade in the NFL. You wouldn't guess that at all. Nicest, most personable guy you ever want to meet. But man, you can tell he I knows his way around of, the football field.
1: Yeah. One of the things I got to kick when he gets out of, on if you field. watch the if you watch the end of the game, uh, and he's getting congratulated by like former players and things like that. He is just tiny <laughs> compared to he's, everyone else who comes and gives him a hug and says just, congratulations.
0: <laughs> he's just he's a, he's a sprite, but uh <laughs> you know, I would never tell that to him to his face because <laughs> I value my life, but um yeah, he's just, he's a, he's a different, he's wound a different way than, than Paul Christ was. And I think Paul Christ's message may have without the players and Paul Chris even realizing it may have gotten stale, yeah. but I, I can't say that what Paul Chris was doing was bad. It was just obvious that something different was needed. And it's obvious that there is a different feel now, now, whether the results will be different. We don't know. It's only been three games, but uh, we can tell the offensive play calling is, is different now i think we can all agree on that um as for recruiting um we i don't think there's going to be any big tell because it's it's a transition to a, a the, the same coaching staff essentially minus the head coach but i feel like just this last weekend you know it was a great example of this is a recruiting department that's operating now on on all cylinders and bringing in players on a, what was a gorgeous homecoming weekend just you know, the, the weather couldn't have been better, 70 degrees out, sunny. Uh, really. I think
2: this this weekend very well might have still happened if Paul Chris is still head coach, yes. though. Like Yeah. But so there's yeah, not I think your your initial point that I think we'll really see the recruiting for Jim Leonard in about you know, what, eight months, eight or nine months?
0: I think we we'll probably actually start to see it come January and February, because he has to if he's going to change assistant coaches, that's when it's gonna happen.
2: Oh, so you'll say once we see the new yeah, coaching, if and recruiting staff. Yeah, once there's a new up, staff. Okay. Um, all right. I think that's that's if they fair. Can, yeah. If
0: they can wrap up the 23 class at that point, uh, and then you know going into 2024, uh, I don't expect a ton of, I, I don't expect a sea change unless Jim Leonard doesn't you know wind up being the next head coach at Wisconsin because he's still just an interim. Uh, you know, if unless he winds up not being the head coach, and then all the staff is going to be gone or virtually all of it. Uh, I can't see any way that the recruiting uh, viewpoint is going to change. Uh, I may be wrong. I mean, they're still probably going to try and and offer the same kinds of players. the The change is maybe a little like subtle and and hard to notice. But I don't think we're going to see like them drop a whole bunch of recruits all of a sudden and, and pick up a whole new group. What do, what, this... what do you think we're going to see?
1: What do you think we're going to see this weekend? Do you think they're going to try and? Well, this weekend we aren't going to 20... see anything.
0: Oh, recruiting-wise,
1: solidify twenty-three, or do you think they're going to go push twenty-four this weekend?
0: I why not both? I uh, think both. Send send some send some people out to the the twenty-three prospects that are still out there. There aren't a ton. I mean, Wisconsin's not on a ton of guys for, 20, for 2023, other than their committed prospects, and that's kind of where I want to see them for the class of twenty twenty-three the most is solidifying those commitments because those guys that's are exactly that's what those I'm talking players about. Yeah. at least some of them are wavering yeah you can you can tell because schools are throwing scholarships out all over the place to them and you want to solidify that and keep the recruits that you do have because again unless jim leonard's not there these are guys that wisconsin still wants yeah so um but the 2024 class it's absolutely imperative they get on as many high-profile players as they possibly can and have their ears to the ground for guys for 2025 and even 2026. You've got, you know, Mickey Turner's operating with eight different uh, recruiting coaches now. So this is, this is a full up division one, FBS power five recruiting department. Now Uh, the NIL is, is has ground into life. Varsity collective had its first event last weekend where they were giving away Braylon Allen bobbleheads. We're not giving them away. They were selling them for $250 a pop. But regardless, the the NIL collective is NL NIL, Yeah, NIL collective is up. So, uh, this is uh, we're going to start to see this sort of hopefully uh, stabilize and start to operate on, again unless Jim Leonard is not the next head coach at Wisconsin, in which case it's going to get blown up and have to be rebuilt again. But I don't at this point Guys, I'll just poll you directly. Do you honestly see any circumstances where Jim Leonard's not going to be the next head coach at Wisconsin? Rob's yeah. already shaking his head. Will shaking his head, too.
2: No, I think for – I remember when he was officially in the interim, the first thing I thought to myself was, what record does Jim Leonard have to have to finish a season to, like, clinch, clinch the job? The more I think about it, it's, it shouldn't be a record. It should be, like, are the guys coming out? And are, are they, like, playing hard? So, what, we're 2-1 and one so far. It's been three games. And
0: they've you been know, playing want, hard. Not always successfully, yeah, but hard. Yeah.
2: I want him to be the head coach. I'm not going to – I don't think they should just anoint him yet, you know, make him earn it, so to speak. They played hard against Michigan State. Now, like I said, if we drop the next four, but we still play hard when we're losing, then I think, hey, let's open it up, talk to talk to people that are interested. But if, if they finish with a record – I mean, according to ESPN, we are favored to win the last four games as of right now. That means next to nothing. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> we found we'll out see. last we
0: yeah. with being favored to win, how being yeah, favored to win. Exactly, for right? you. Uh And we found that out earlier this year too. So,
1: I mean, yeah. we are still going to win the big 10 West, but anyway, <laughs> okay. Um, I, I Rob, think that so you
0: started out with those with those bold <laughs> predictions and they were they were mostly fulfillable but now you're just getting into crazy man territory uh, no
1: I think he's I think the job is his but I think what will be determined in the next five weeks is how much of his staff he has to to revamp I think that if we go you know one and three in the remaining games and and the it's it's obviously offense then I think he has to revamp a majority of the offensive coaching staff. If we go 4-0 and and they look good, then maybe it's just a small tweak, if anything, here and there. So I, I think that's what's going to happen over the next four weeks is we're going to see kind of what he has to do uh, in terms of his coaching staff.
0: I'll make a bold prediction. Uh, if Wisconsin continues to average between 30 and 35 points per game with their offensive line being as unsettled as it is, I don't think they're going to fire Bobby Ingram or Bobby Ingram would have to leave of his, would have to say, you know what? I don't want to be here anymore with Paul Chris being gone and leave that way. I don't think they're going to get rid of him. If the offense is still working, Graham Mertz is having his, his best year, clearly far and away a different quarterback than he was um, last year. I'm not going to say that everything is fixed because against good teams, he's still not that great, but you know, last year against bad teams, he wasn't all that great either. So th- at least this year, he's performing well against bad teams. So there's been progress made. It's incremental progress, but it's progress nonetheless.
2: I would be, I would be shocked if Anger's not the office of coordinator in general. Like I said, unless if he chooses to not come back, I think, I think he's one of the guys on the staff that's going to have a job if he wants it yeah. next there year. Are,
0: there are other coaches that I, I honestly I don't, I don't know how they would fit in at Wisconsin anymore now that Paul Christ is gone. But I think in general, uh, it will be interesting to see if coaches leave of their own uh, volition because, you know, the uh, the season's over or which ones Jim Leonard just says, you know, uh, I, I don't need you. I don't need you. So anyway, uh, well, let's skip ahead now to our forward segment. Um, Rob, what are you looking forward to in this upcoming week?
1: I am actually looking forward to uh... – the big 10 tournament for the women's soccer team. I am really, I think it's a payback game. Uh, they are a lot, you know, payback that lost Penn state and the injury to Emma Jaskin. So I, I really am hoping they come out and uh, yeah, I hope they boat race them, but Penn state traditionally has been a really tough team in the big 10 tournament. Uh, so it's, uh, even though they're, they're the three C they're at home. I think this was a really tough draw for them to take, uh, but I, I'm really hoping that they can get the win on this one.
0: Can Paula Wilkins get revenge on her old team? Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Penn State women's athletics, by the way, is, is, is pretty good. For those who don't know, um, they're probably the gold standard. They're like the UCLA of um, the Big Ten in terms of women's sports. Yeah. Will, what are you looking forward to? I'm
2: kind of stuck between two, so I'm going to choose two. One – I want to watch Wisconsin Nebraska tomorrow night. Um, big time volleyball game. I mean, it's 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 half five matchup regular season. Looking forward to that. Uh, next, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to the start of basketball season. The Badgers got a exhibition game this Sunday, and let's see what they got. You know,
0: they they already had a secret scrimmage that was apparently so secret that uh no one could know anything about it so <laughs> they've scrimmaged northern iowa no one's talking folks no i one's didn't realize letting. that
1: they had a game uh well who are they playing on sunday
0: and is it they, televised W O claire i think hmm. god poor ew claire it's gonna be brutal uh i myself am looking forward to uh the next basketball commitment Because the ball's rolling now for the class of 2024, which is actually really good. Uh, This is a a class that, you know, Wisconsin's been in on a lot of these guys early, hard, and often. And all of them, you know, all these players, especially the ones from Minnesota, have been to visit Wisconsin multiple times. For football games, for basketball games, just for a summer visit. And... You know, obviously the in-state kids, they can come whenever they want. Well, not whenever they want, but you know what I mean. So Wisconsin right now is sort of fishing in local waters. They aren't, they aren't out there. The furthest out there I think they are for prospect is Royce Parham, who's out in Virginia. I think it's Virginia, Virginia or Maryland. And other than that, they're mostly uh, going after guys from this general area and then Ohio, which is for, for us, you know, a, a pond hop. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing them add another recruit because as they add recruits, this 2024 class, there's only a finite number of scholarships available. And if guys want to play for Wisconsin, you're going to find out really quick because they're going to want to jump on theirs. Like Robeson jumped on his. (sighs) On that note, we have come to the end of another podcast. Uh, You can follow us at the BuckyCast on Twitter, Or you can email us. We haven't gotten an email in forever. Someone email us for the love of God. Uh, We are thebuckycast43 at gmail.com. Until next time, folks, uh, this is John with Will and Rob. Peace out.
2: Have a good one, everyone.
1: Happy soccer weekend.